you take your Bibles and turn with me to John 19. We've been in the Gospel of John now for uh, several, about a year and a half, and uh, we are in the 19th chapter of John uh, here at the cross. As we left last week at the cross, we'll be right back there in John chapter 19. And look with me in verse number 28, I believe. John 19 and verse 28. I want to thank the church for praying. This week I was in uh, Tennessee with our young people along with uh, our youth leaders and, uh, and chaperones and different ones. We took a good, a good number of teenagers and I'm thankful what the Lord did. There was 5,000 teenagers there and uh, 200 of them received Christ as Savior and uh, it was a blessing. And then uh, we, uh, I was preaching in the evenings in Knoxville, Tennessee. I preached nine times since last Sunday and, uh, and, so, and then, of course, this morning would be the 10th time, so uh, a lot <clears throat> has uh, been said, and, uh, but a lot has been done. I'm thankful for what the Lord has done. Nothing I've done. He kept us safe, but not only that, through His Spirit, uh, in, in, his, uh, in His way, and through His Word, He helped a lot of people, and I'm very thankful for what God did. It was a special week. Glad to be home. Uh, pray for my son, Ridge. He is not feeling well. I think all the travels this week and things, he just, it was enough for him. And about Saturday, he said, time out. And uh, so he, he's not feeling well, but hopefully we'll be back in the saddle here very soon. And uh, just been a, a good week, though, of ministry and very thankful for our church. Been a good summer, and uh, the Lord has blessed us immensely and thankful for that. John chapter 19, and we're going to begin in verse 28, exactly where we were last week. Uh, if you remember this, Jesus is, is on the cross, and the Bible says in the first two words of verse 28, after this, after the sufferings, after the humiliation, after the, uh, what he has said to the disciples uh, about his mother, uh, he was referring to John. Uh, the Bible says, John, the one in whom he loved, he's telling him about his mother, take care of my mother. And, and she did. She lived with him after the resurrection uh, for a good while, and John took care of her. But look at verse uh, 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, complete, that the Scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now, this is one of the seven sayings from the cross. Uh, this is the only time that Jesus even refers to himself in his suffering. Uh, every time that Jesus was scourged, the Bible says he opened not his mouth. He, he wouldn't say anything. He wouldn't lash back out at him. He wouldn't uh, say anything to him. He wouldn't, uh, nowhere do I even see that Jesus referred to the pain. But the only thing that I see that Jesus is referring to himself about is the fact that he was thirsty. He says from the cross, I thirst. Verse number 29, now there was a set of vessel full of vinegar. And they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. Matthew's gospel uh, says, you don't have to turn there, but for sake of time, Matthew says that uh, they took a sponge in verse 28 and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. And then it says in verse 50 of Matthew 27, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. Meaning that he cried, what did he cry? Well, we're going to see in verse uh, of John's 19 and verse number 30. And when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said with a loud voice, according to Matthew, it is finished. 
It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to preach for a few minutes this morning. Lord, thank you for what you've done in my heart already today. And Lord, I pray for those that are traveling today, those that are sick today, those that are even still uh, maybe in other circumstances having to work today. Lord, I pray that you'll bless them through watching this, that God will work in their heart. Lord, we're thankful for all you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Think about the power of that word that Jesus said in verse 30. It is finished. Tetelestai. That is the Greek word, tetelestai. It is complete. It is finished. It is over. It is done. And think about some of the great statements in our history I love history. I love reading about history. And there's been some great statements that change the course of our history. For instance, Ronald Reagan one time said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. And he did. And that was the end of the Cold War. That was the end of communism as we know it in that region of the country. Mr. President or Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall. Neil Armstrong said, Once one small step for man, one giant leap. For mankind, that changed. That changed things. It was. It was changed the course. We had never been uh, where we were in that time, around the same era, or will uh, as far as the Cold War and different things, uh, communism. And so uh, Neil Armstrong said that founding fathers said we hold these truths to be self-evident. Uh, uh, Nathan Hale said, I regret that I only have one life to live for my country. Abraham Lincoln said, four score and seven years ago. These statements that you learned as a child or you learned in school were statements that were made by great Americans or great individuals that changed the course of our nation or changed really the course of history for a lot of people. But no statement has ever been made that has changed the course of history like this statement. It is finished. These statements that I read to you a moment ago, they freed individuals, they freed races, they they freed countries. But this statement by our Savior brought freedom to all of mankind. And and what he did in a single word, to Telestai, the greatest person who ever lived, the God-man, 100% God, 100% man, sinless and, and perfect, the greatest place ever known, Calvary. All of human history intersects at Calvary. This place, the greatest provision ever made, was Jesus. Death is destroyed and the devil is defeated and doom is derailed. Why? Because Jesus said, it is finished. A single word can change anything, can it? Not guilty in a courtroom. Set somebody free. Fair. On a baseball field. Changes the course of a game. When a woman says yes to a man when he proposes, changes the course of his life. That old ball and chain wrapped around his leg. He didn't know it, but them shackles came home. Goodbye can change a lot of things, yet there has never been a single word spoken among men like the word to Telestai, it is finished. J.K. or G.K. Chesterton said this, the cross cannot be defeated for it is defeat. 
Jesus won the battle at Calvary, not with a weapon, not with a sword, not with a bow and arrow, not with any type of arsenal. Jesus won the battle at Calvary with the words, it is finished. I want to give you a few thoughts about it is finished this morning out of John chapter 19 and verse number 30. First, I want us to see the will of sovereignty was fulfilled. This was God's plan the whole time. Listen, uh, redemption was not an afterthought. Redemption is the eternal plan of a sovereign God. I mean, think about this for just a minute. When we make plans and those plans are fulfilled and they're done and we've met all the expectations, we've met all the things, we can finally say, hey, our plans, we we thought them out, we've come through and now we are complete. For instance, if we were to, uh, and we're going to build that building that we need as a church, we're meeting with our uh, architects and we've been drawing things for months now and talking about it. We've been been, uh, uh, moving forward. There's a lot of things, even after this service, I'll explain to you just a few things about that. But, But we've been planning and drawing and we've been looking at expansion and looking at what we need to do but but listen we don't wake up one morning and just look at our church and say oh we need a building and it be there the next week no this is this is plans Permits were pulled and plans were drawn and construction companies were hired and heavy machinery was moved to the property and dirt was moved around and steel was put up and buildings were, uh, wire was ran. There was things that happened and then one day the building inspector shows up and he gives us a certificate of occupancy and says all of the things that you did, you met. What's he saying? It is finished. Can I just say this? When Jesus was dying on the cross, we need to get the idea out of our mind that God was wringing His hands, wondering how He was going to bring about redemption. Matter of fact, uh, it was John MacArthur who said, the Father did not react to the fall with a last-minute fix. Or before the fall, even before creation, he predetermined to send his son as the Savior. You say, well, what's the scripture and verse for that? Well, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 4 says, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Before the foundation of the world, we were chosen in Christ. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Revelation chapter 13 and verse number 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the Lamb, uh, in the life of the Lamb, the book of the life of the Lamb, slain before the foundation from, uh, from the foundation of the world. Uh, Acts chapter 2 verse 23 and 24. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain whom God hath raised up have loosed the pains of death because it is not possible that he should hold of it. 
You see the verses that I'm reading to you? This was not a last minute plan. This was predetermined before the foundation of the world that Jesus was the only sacrifice that could save us. This was, not some, uh, this was not some last minute ditch effort to just get something done and it just happened to work. No, this was predetermined. Acts chapter 4 verses 27 and 28, the apostles, this is their prayer to God, for a truth against the holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. So God used all of these men and all these people before it was ever done. God already knew that's what they were going to do. Isn't that amazing? 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 9 and 10. Who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works but according to his own purpose and grace. Which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. I mean, at least a dozen verses that I'm explaining to you that this was not some last-minute thought of God. This was before the world was ever spoken. And by the way, He loved you before the world ever spoke. He loved you. Our Savior hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And see, when Christ appeared, it was merely a revelation and a manifestation of the eternal plan of God and His redemption. Sometimes we say babies are born prematurely. I know when Ridge was born, uh, he was born a month early because of some things. And even the doctor says, he is, though he was not listed as preemie or premature, he was still brought about prematurely eight months he was come and so they went through all the tests and they went through all the things and said you have delivered a baby that is premature and my friend can I just say this though Jesus was not born premature the Bible says that in the fullness of time he brought forth a son Jesus came the exact second he was supposed to and he died the exact second he was supposed to Jesus was born on time. Jesus was, his death was on time. He lived right on time. I mean, everything he perfectly fulfilled, uh, the will of the Father, the Gospels tell us that this was made uh, in Matthew chapter 27 with a loud voice. It is finished. Leon Morris said this, Jesus died with the cry of the victor on his lips. This was not the moan of a defeated, nor the sigh of a patient of resignation. It is the triumphant recognition that he has now fully accomplished the work that he came to do. I hope you see this morning that Jesus died on the cross with a purpose. It was God's purpose before the foundation of the world that he was the lamb that would be slain for our sins. The second thing we see is not only the will of the sovereignty fulfilled, but the work of sacrificing was finished. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. I want to show you the greatest commentary on the Old Testament is the book of Hebrews. But the 10th chapter of Hebrews is one of the greatest chapters. The 10th and 11th chapter is wonderful. The 10th chapter is describing Christ as the perfect sacrifice. The writer of Hebrews says this, For the law having a shadow of good things to come. A shadow is not something to fear. 
get this. A shadow is something that is like, for instance, the sun is casting a shadow. So the shadow of good things to come, what would that be? Would that be Calvary? And not the very image of things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sin? But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering, would wouldest thou not? But a body hast thou prepared us, me, uh, prepared me? In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin that thou hast had no pleasure, then said I, lo, I am come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for a sin that wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I am come to do the will of God and taketh away the first that he may establish the second. By the will which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Notice this, once and for all, or once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oft times the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Once for all. From henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us after that he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and minds will I write them and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. We see, secondly, the work of sacrificing. Listen, I have a lot of unfinished projects at home. How many of you can get a witness there? You've got some unfinished projects. I hate unfinished projects. My wife often gets on to me and says, Honey, you need to finish that. You started that. You need to finish that. You know what else? I always use this. Mount Rushmore is an unfinished project. <laughs> Y'all know? Mount Rushmore, is as wonderful as it is, as majestic as it is, the man who started it died. His son picked it up, ran out of money. He ran, so it's never really been finished. So I always say, Honey, if Mount Rushmore can go unfinished, this project can go unfinished. It doesn't go over real well. She said, your face will be up there too if you don't finish it. (laughs) But can I just say this? Calvary was not an unfinished project. It is finished. Tetelestai comes from the Greek word tetelio, which was used to refer to a job when it was finished. Matter of fact, that same word is used by the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4. He said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the face. What was Paul saying? He said, I have finished. It is finished to Telestai. So the servant's work we see in verses 1 through 4 of Hebrews chapter 10, these priests would offer animal sacrifices under the old covenant, and it would cover sin. 
They would take the shedding of blood of a spotless lamb or whatever animal and they would take that, that lamb and they would slit the throat of that lamb and it had to be perfect without any type of spot or any type of blemish and they would apply that blood and that blood was for atonement or the word kofar which means to cover, the Hebrew word. And they would use that to cover sin yet animal sacrifice could never take away sin. The conscience of the guilty was still there. It could cover sin, but only for them to come back and do it again. It would never take away the sin. See, there was a kind of priestly treadmill that took place. They were constantly sacrificing, constantly going through the process, and it left men still with sin in their conscience, alienated from God. The priests were essentially divided into three broad categories. There was the Levites, there was the priest, and then there was the high priest. And the day that Jesus came into the temple and cleansed the temple, they said that there were some 20,000 priests that could have been on duty. And here's what the priest had to do. The priest had to continually stand day in and day out in their work, sacrificing, repeatedly offering these sacrifices and the priest could never sit down. They could never punch out. They could never take a lunch break. They could never say, hey, I'm done for the day. No, they continually, until their role and another priest would come in and fulfill that role, they never sat down. But that's in contrast to what Jesus did. Because in verse 12 of, of Hebrews 10, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. You know what he was saying by sitting down? It is finished. He sat down. Hey, what if our Bible told us that Jesus went to heaven and was still sacrificing and still working in heaven? We could say, well, the work maybe is not done yet. He started it on the cross. He went to heaven, and he's trying to finish it. No, no. He went to heaven with the blood, applied it to the mercy seat, sat down on the right hand of the Father, and what's he doing? He's praying for you and me right now. He's not working. The work is finished. Jesus put all them priests out of work. They were standing on the side saying, we'll work, we'll do whatever, but we can't sacrifice them. Why? Once and for all. Matthew chapter 27, verse 51, And behold, the veil of the temple was rent from twain, in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. Listen, no more veil. No separation. So guess what? We have boldness to go into the throne room of God and pray. The veil is in. Hey, it kept us separated. It kept us out. But the veil, the moment the earth shook, the veil ripped. And he says, you can now enter into us boldly, into the throne room of God. No more veil, no more holy of holies, no more holy of holies, no more high priest, no more high priest, no more sacrifices. Hey, think about this. No more sacrifices because Jesus said, it is finished. And those who continue to go on to an earthly priest right now have never embraced the good news of the cross. That's why it's sad for me to hear about priests today and people that are in other religions going to priests today and, and trying to confess sins today. There's no need for that. Our sins have been paid for. They've been paid for by the blood of Christ. 
Notice Jesus did not say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. In John chapter 4, verse 34, Jesus said to him, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. John 17 and verse number 4, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Christ is the only man who left no unfinished business. No unfinished uh, works, no unfinished visits, no unwritten letters, no undone tasks, no unread books, no unmowed lawns, no unfinished, uh, un- unfinished diets. Hey, he has never left anything unfinished. He said, it is finished. He was not depressed and defeated. He was done. He was not frustrated, flustered, or fatigued. He was finished. But then we see not only the priest's works, the Savior's work, but we see the saints' work. Look at verse 14. The Bible says this in Hebrews 10. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Now this, I believe, makes it plain that the work of Jesus is effective for those who are being sanctified. The work of Jesus is capable of saving every human being, but is only effective in saving those who believe by faith, right? The the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, I believe it is, verses 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Remember, not of works. The work has been done. 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on the cross. The work is finished. So why are you still trying to work? Well, pastor, I would go to church every time the doors are open. I'll give money to this. I'll give money to missions. I'll do whatever I need. No, no, listen. If you're doing that to work, you'll fall short. The work has been completed. It's an insult to his sacrifice for you to continue to work. I'm not talking about working because of our faith. The Bible says faith leads us to good works, right? But can I say this? If we're working to have some type of favor with God and, and some type of acceptance of God, listen, that's nothing but legalism. We don't believe that. What has happened has happened 2,000 years ago for everybody. There's a story about an old farmer. I believe this may tie it together. A story about an old farmer, a Christian farmer, who was deeply concerned over his unsaved neighbor. His unsaved neighbor happened to be a really good carpenter. And so the carpenter said, or the the, the, uh, farmer said, I want to show them that I love them. I I want to um, uh, witness to my neighbor. And so he tried to witness to the neighbor, and it just... It never, the neighbor never really uh, persisted, uh, he persisted rather, that, that his belief must be based on something that he could do. He just could not wrap his mind around the fact that Jesus paid it all. And so the farmer said, well, I'm going to have to show him. So the farmer said, I need a fence built. And so he asked his carpenter friend to build him a nice wooden fence for his cattle And so one day the fence was complete and his carpenter friend brought the fence all the way over to the farm and was going to show this farmer, his buddy, his fence. And so he pulled it out and got it up there and boy, it was a beautiful, wooden, nice fence, real strong, real sturdy. You could tell that carpenter was, he loved that fence and he put all his blood, sweat and tears in it. You could just tell he was proud of it, especially because it was his friend. And his friend looked at it and said, well, that's a nice fence. 
and he grabbed an axe. And he just took a swing and hit that fence. And his friend, the, the, the carpenter, looked at him and said, What are you doing? That fence needs nothing. That fence is perfect. That fence needs nothing. It doesn't need another. Uh, you're going to ruin it. And he, he swung and hit it again and hit it again. Made a few notches, a few notches in it and finally he slowed down. He said, do you see what I'm trying to do? He said, the fence that you built me needed nothing else, yet I'm trying to do my best to make it better. And I believe his friend saw what Jesus did, you could not perfect. What Jesus did needed nothing else, but yet here we are trying to swing away at the very best we can. Can I just say what Jesus did 2,000 years ago needs nothing else? It's done. It's complete. All it needs is for you to believe. Keep striving to try to earn salvation is to, is to really spit in the face of the finished works of Christ on the cross. But can I say, lastly, the way of salvation was furnished. See, the place had been determined. It was Calvary. The cross was God's way. Jesus did not die by hanging. Jesus did not die by stoning. Jesus did not die by any other way. Jesus had to die on the cross. It was predetermined. But the price was paid. See, all was finished. The paid in full. It was accomplished. The types, the promises, the prophecies of the Old Testament were finished. The sacrifices, the ceremonies, the priesthood was all finished. The perfect obedience was all finished. The satisfaction of God's justice was all finished. And the power of Satan and sin and death was all finished. He finished His work for me. He finished His work for you. And here's what I get from this. Then I must go to work for Him and I must preserve it until my work is finished too. Not to save myself, for that alone is done. Because I am saved, I work for Him. That's what Spurgeon said. I'm not working to be saved. I'm working because I'm saved. A prisoner's been set free. They would write the words to Telestai over a prisoner when his... Sentence was complete. Turn with me over to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 2, and look with me in verse number 14. We'll just begin in verse 13. The Bible says, And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of the flesh, of your flesh, hath he quickened or made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. They would write the word to die. It would be written across the release papers of a prisoner. When his sentence was done, it is finished. My friend, listen, we were freed from the bondage of sin, freed from a path of hell. We were freed from separation of God. Listen, we were free, and, and we were freed by the death of our Savior on the cross. Let me ask you a personal question this morning. Before we close, 
What sin is keeping you from God today? What sin is keeping you from God today? Let me just give you some good news. If there's a sin that popped in your mind, there may be something that's holding you back, something you're not ready to give up. It doesn't matter what your sin is or how guilty you may feel. All of your sins have been stamped by God with one word, to telestai. It doesn't matter if it's the sin of, of, of anger, the sin of gossip, the sin of drunkenness, to telestai paid in full. Just fill in the blank. Whatever it is, Whatever's plaguing your life, those words were written uh, over our sins, paid in full by the blood of Jesus Christ. The price for your sins have been paid in full. If you're sitting in here today and you are not sure you're saved, can I remind you this morning that Jesus has paid the debt. Thursday night I was, I was at that youth conference and I was... Uh, standing there and the Lord was just working in that service and there was kids, hundreds of kids already uh, making uh, decisions and there was a mother that came to me. Uh, I'd never seen this lady before but from another church and as I said, there was a lot of folks there. She came to me, she said, are you a pastor? And I said, yes ma'am. She said, would you come pray for my son? I said, sure, I'd be honored to. And if I'm not mistaken, his, his, uh, his name, his first name was Chase, Chase. He was a, about a 15-year-old boy. He was, there were some people praying with him, some kids from the youth group, and the mother was very concerned. And I, I knelt down beside that young man, and I said, young man, why would you come and pray? What are you praying about? And he said, I'm just trying to do better. I said, okay, that's good. I, I'm glad you, you're trying to do better. That's a, that's a good thing. And I said, but you understand, young man, have you ever been to Calvary? He said, what do you mean? And I said, have you ever been saved? He said, well, I've tried to be. And I said, no, 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 you're not, you're not answering it biblically. I know what you mean, but that's not what you're trying to be saved. I don't really understand that. I said, tell me what you mean by trying to be saved. Well, he said, well, I'm, I'm trying to be a good son. I'm trying to be a good student. I'm trying to be a, a good church person. I, I go to church, and I try to be all those things. And I said, man, you can try and try and try, Chase. But may I remind you that what you're trying to accomplish in your own strength was done 2,000 years ago on a cross. I said, have you ever, as a young man, put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? He said, no, sir, I don't believe I have. Right there, just a few moments, I showed that young man in Scripture how he could know for sure that Jesus that I preached about this morning, how he could know him personally. And that same Jesus that hung and bled and died on the cross is the same Jesus that I'm preaching to you about today. And by the way, the same Jesus that is still sat down on the right hand of the Father praying. You need to receive him today. Don't delay. Don't, don't try to do it in your own strength. Don't try to do it your own way. That young man called on Jesus and received him uh, as his Savior. Listen, know him today. Quit trying your best. Quit trying to say, well, I'm just going to do my best and I'm going I'm to try harder and I'm going to try. No, no, you can try all you want to, but you'll never make it. There's no way our works can measure up to what Jesus did. 
Why don't you just accept it today by faith and live the gospel in such a way that once you're saved, you want to tell the world. You want to tell the world.